Welcome to Awaken to Grace. I'm Chad Roberts. Today is part two of a sermon entitled, What to Do When You Don't Know What to Do. We're in a series called The Battle Belongs to the Lord. And today, an army is coming against Israel in 2 Chronicles 20. King Jehoshaphat and all the people of Judah are completely overwhelmed. And you know what? In today's study, we're going to see how the Lord tells them very specific instructions, step-by-step, what they are to do. And you know what? It's the same strategy for our lives today. For those who uh, follow our ministry, you know I'm completely blind. And when I lost vision a few years ago, when I faced blindness, well, it was this chapter. It was this story with King Jehoshaphat that taught me how to stand still, how to hold my position and how to see the salvation of the Lord. Friends, I hope you enjoy today. If it ministers to you, if it speaks to you, shoot me an email, Roberts at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. Well, let's get to God's Word today. Second Chronicles 20, what to do when you don't know what to do when this series, The Battle Belongs to the Lord. The Bible says that Israel knew the acts of God. What's that mean? They saw the pillar of cloud and they saw the pillar of fire and they saw the Red Sea part and they saw the plagues on Egypt and they saw the manna from heaven and on and on and on and on. And the the Bible says that Israel knew the acts of God. But Moses knew his ways. It's one thing when you see what God's doing. It's a whole other thing when you know why God's doing it. And if you'll seek the Holy Spirit today, if you will yield yourself like the clay to the potter's hands, God will not only show you what He's doing in your life, He'll show you why He's doing it. And the Holy Spirit will reveal to you those great and those hidden things that you don't know and that you don't understand. God will make them known to you. Now, verse 17 and 18. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. I got ahead. Verse 17. I'm on track so far. If I get off track, just yell at me if I miss something. Verse 17. So, understand the context. Israel is utterly outnumbered. There's no hope for them. They assemble themselves and seek the Lord. The Spirit of God responds. And the word from the Lord is, the battle is not yours, but is God's. Verse 17 blows my mind. Verse 17 is the strategy for winning the war. Verse 17 is the strategy for God's battle plan. And you know what it is? Look at it with me. Verse 17. Array yourselves in your finest armor. Sharpen your swords and prepare your spears. Gather the chariots and the mighty horses and go to war. Is that what it says? No, but it sounded good, didn't it? I fooled half of you. Half of you is writing down swords, spear, chariot. What? Horses? Is that what he said? 
See, I can't get my mind around it that this is a war. This is a battle where there's no hope. And yet this chapter says nothing of swords, (laughs) nothing of spears. Nothing of shields, nothing of chariots, nothing of mighty horses. Does that strike you as odd? There are no generals. There's nothing about flanking the enemy. There are no formations. What's the, okay, God, what's the plan? Verse 17, you ready for it? Stand still. (laughs) excuse me stand still let me uh, okay hang on one second God a mighty battle a great multitude and I'm standing still that sounds like a sitting duck stand still that's that's the strategy that's the plan stand still now I can't see you but how many of you can't stand still for a second? Right? Come on, right? How many of you don't have any patience? I, I can't see you. Do, uh, who, who am I talking to? Stand still. Hmm. Okay. Then what? Hold your position. Now, why would he say that? Stand still and hold the position. Let me tell you, my friends, the Bible is very clear. It says, be still and know that I am God. There are some, listen, God is not going to get his glory out of you figuring everything out. (laughs) God is not going to get glory out of you fixing everything. God is not going to get glory out of your string. No, let me tell you, it is in our weaknesses that God displays his string. It is out of our weaknesses that the power of Christ rests upon us. Amen. And when does God get his glory? God gets his glory when we're still. And we say, you are God and I am not. When does God get his glory? He gets his glory when we hold the line. He gets his glory when we don't back down. He gets his glory when we hold the position. The weeks after I went blind, after my failed surgeries, your eye pressure was not supposed, it's not supposed to be over 20. My eye pressure would be 53. And 55 because of the botched surgeries. Debilitating. I was sick. I couldn't function. It was awful. And every Sunday for weeks, we had to, I didn't know if I could preach. Uh, I don't mean to be too much information, but it would make me so sick in my stomach. And physically, I mean, my head would just... It was just debilitating and nothing would touch it. They would give me medication and it wouldn't touch it. And I'm telling you, church, you don't know how many Sundays that the worship team was ready to play through the whole Sunday because I didn't know if I could preach. I would have a chair sitting against the back wall because I would get so swimmy headed and so dizzy. I thought I'd pass out in the middle of the sermon. 
There were so many Sundays I was back here on the side. I don't mean to be so graphic, but vomiting. As people are driving in, coming in for church. And I was sick as I could be. And Satan was assaulting me. And he was attacking me. And it went on for a number of weeks, if not a couple of months. And I remember there was one Sunday and I was back there in that, in that gravel lot section and I was so sick, I couldn't hardly stand. And I remember I told Satan that day, I said, Satan, let me be very clear. Let me tell you, I'll talk to him out loud. I'm that crazy. And I said, let me tell you something. If I have to crawl to that pulpit, if I have to crawl to the platform, I will crawl and I will preach. I'm not going to back down. And I said out loud, you might as well leave me alone because I'm not going to quit. Friends, there comes a time you have to draw a line in the sand. There comes a time where you have to understand God has not called you to win the battle. What God has called you to do is to stand still and hold the line. That's all you have to do. And let me tell you, my friends, I don't know when God's going to touch my eyes. I don't know when these old eyes are going to come open. But let me tell you, it's not for me to know. There's only one thing I need to know. Hold the line. That's my only job. Amen. Amen. And I'm not going to back down. And I won't give an inch. And I won't take one step backward. Not one toe will go backward. Why? Because I am to hold the line. And so are you. That's your job. Your job isn't to figure it out. Your job's not to fix it. Your job is not to move mountains. Only God can move the mountain. You are to hold the line. You are to stand still. And then what does God say? Then you'll see the salvation of the Lord. Let me tell you. I don't know when. And I don't know how. But God's going to open these eyes one day. I went to Duke University. And one of the greatest eye doctors on the planet. Now he's one of the best of the best. He sat in that chair. And he said, Chad, you're not going to see. But the Holy Spirit inside me was going, nope. Yes, you will. He told me three years ago, this eye right here that has the torn retina, he said, it's going to wither. And you know what the Holy Spirit said? No, it's not. The whole, right there, sitting in his chair, the Holy Spirit, like thunder, the Holy Spirit said, you're going to be a well-watered garden and your waters will not fail. Hold the line. That's all we're to do. Now, so that's the strategy. <laughs> no swords, no spears, no chariots, no shields. You're going to stand still. You're going to hold the line. And you're going to see the salvation of the Lord. And then, <laughs> it's almost as though the Holy Spirit said, oh yeah, one more thing. Don't fear and don't be dismayed because the Lord's going to go with you.
<laughs> it's almost like after getting the strategy. Okay, Lord, let me make sure I got this right. Stand still, hold the line, and salvation will come. Oh, yeah, but don't forget. Don't be afraid. And don't be dismayed. Because I'm going to be with you. Then they do the oddest thing. Are y'all with me today? Just checking. Just che- I'd like to check in. Then he does the oddest thing. Verses 18 and 19. When they get the strategy, before they go to war, before the battle is ever even started, and before it's certainly won, you know what they do? They worship the Lord before the battle ever began. See, there's some of you, you're thinking, when I see God move, then I'll, I'll give him glory. No, it doesn't go that way. You worship God before you ever see the victory. You praise God before victory ever comes. You call those things that are not as though they what? As though they are. You walk. That's walk, Friends, that's not walking by sight. That's walking by faith. Amen. So they worship God. They sing out with a mighty voice. Verse 19. They, they, what an intensity to their worship. Verse 20. They go to war. They get up early that morning. They go to the battlefield. Verse 21. Oh, it, the story just gets more crazy. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever secretly wanted to join the worship team and be up here singing? Well, you wouldn't on this day. Because <laughs> look what they do in verse 21. They take the singers. They take the worshipers. And they put them on the front lines. Now, is that not fascinating? Not the generals. Not the military experts. Not the Navy SEALs. Or the Green Berets. Or the Marines. No. Who do they put on the front lines? The worshipers. Isn't that that something? What a weapon. What a weapon. What a weapon. Let me tell you. Not every day, but probably, let's say pretty well every day. I wake up singing. I wake up worshiping. The few days that I'll turn on my Fox News, God convicts me and says, No, 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 listen to that later. Worship me first. Lead with worship. My days are much better when I lead my day with worship instead of the news. Amen? Anyways, verse 21, they arrayed themselves in holy attire. Do you see that in verse 21? Now, friends, every detail of Scripture is important. Why would the Holy Spirit tell us holy attire? Why would you suppose that that is there? You would do well to understand today that you and I face a far more dangerous, a far more lethal, a far more formidable enemy than the Moabites or the Ammonites. You and I face the kingdom of darkness. 
And see, the Bible is very clear. You and I do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against principalities, rulers, and authority. This darkness, this kingdom of darkness, that's who we fight. And do you know what our holy attire is? Ephesians chapter 6. It's the full armor of God. That's what you and I are to go to war with. That's what we're to dress ourselves in every day. Are you dressed today in the armor of God? And if I may say this pastorally, I don't say this in a way that I'm throwing stones. I say it in a loving and a pastoral way. Precious friends, if you don't know what the armor of God is, if I put you on the spot right now and said, can you tell me the armor of God? And your answer would be, um, well, uh, there's, uh, uh, huh, well, there's probably a sword or maybe, a, I don't know, a shield maybe. I'd, let me say this lovingly. If you don't know what the armor of God is, then there's no way you're wearing it. There's no way you got it on. Friends, it might be that you're being so wounded by the enemy today because you're not wearing the armor of God. It may be that Satan is shooting arrows into your heart, arrows into your mind, because you're not wearing the breastplate of righteousness. Because you don't have on the helmet of salvation. Because you're not wearing the shoes of the gospel of peace or the belt of truth or the sword of the Spirit or the shield of faith. Friends, if you don't have these vital, holy attire on, then you are a sitting duck for the enemy. So they dress themselves in holy attire. They begin to sing. Oh, I would have loved to have heard their songs. They sang of God's enduring faithfulness, of His steadfast love, His everlasting mercy. I can't imagine the intensity with which they sang. And look at verse 22. The Bible says that God ambushed the enemy. Friends, I want you to note that. Praise Equals ambush. <laughs> Praise equals ambush. And on that day, Israel never lifted a sword. They never shot an arrow. God ambushed the enemy. God fought the battle for them. And the Bible literally says, verse 22, God routed the enemy. Because the battle belongs to the Lord. The Lord doesn't save by sword and spear. The Lord saves by the power of His name. Amen. Do you trust in that today? Or are you trying to fix all the angles? Are you trying to work all the angles? Are you trying to find your own solutions? Are you trying to work with all of your strength and all of your might? See, friends, you and I only have so much energy. We only have so much strength. Where are you going to give it? Are you going to give it to your problems, which are futile? You can't change it. 
The things you can change, well, change it. And if you can't change it, give it to God. Or are you going to give your strength, your attention, your focus, your energy, your affections, your ambitions, your time? Are you going to give those things to the Lord? Your energy will go one of the two. They'll go to your troubles or they'll go to the Lord. Give them to the Lord. King Jehoshaphat and the people of God focused entirely on worshiping God and seeking his help. Verse 21, they sang out loud to the Lord. They followed his strategy to the T. And verse 22, God ambushed the enemy. God ambushed them and he routed them. Verse 25, the spoil was so great, it took three days, three full days for Israel to gather the spoil. And I love this, verse 29. All of the kingdoms around Israel, they heard how the Lord had fought the battle for his people and won. And verse 30, what does it say? The realm of King Jehoshaphat was quiet and God gave him rest. Praise God. Amen. Amen. I want to tell you today, you're going to come through the battle. You're going to come through it. God's going to bring you through it. And he's going to fight your battle. And he's going to get the glory out of your life. And when it's all said and done, you know what God's going to give you? God's going to give you rest. God's going to give you quietness. God's going to give you peace. Some of you right now would give any amount of money in the whole world if you just had peace in your soul. If you had peace in your home. Peace in your marriage peace with your children some of you would give anything in the world if God would give you quietness and peace well, friends he will but find it first in the Lord be quiet before the Lord be still and know that he is God you have one thing today as you worship the Lord stand still stand still let God be God hold your position and let God work don't get in his way some of you are praying but you're in God's way some of you are asking but you're in God's way some of you are believing but you're in God's way. Get out of the way and say, God, I'm going to stand still until I see the salvation of the Lord. And let me tell you, my friends, I say it publicly today. I'm going to see the salvation of the Lord. I'll see it spiritually. I'll see it figuratively glory to God, I shall see it physically, literally. But until then, what am I to do? Just be still. Know that He is God and hold the line. Let's bow our heads.
What are you facing today? What troubles brewing in your life? What storm has entered your family? How are you in God's way today? How can you be quiet and just let God be God? How can you lay it at the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, you invite me, cast my cares upon you because you care.